truth. Absolutely. 100% I would eat your dead body if we were stuck on a mountain together in the 1840s. I would assume you would do the same. What's wrong with you? Well, anyway, I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, I'm it's a really very cool excited. story. Yes. And uh, tragic, but wild, you know. Tragic, but it is. Uh, it's the plight of the American pioneer, and they knew the risks, and they still did it, and I'm going to... We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But first, let's uh, welcome to The Chilling Truth. Uh, that is Johnny over here with his tender, tender butt cheeks. And uh, I'm Corey. And today we're going to be talking. Why'd you wave at me? They can't see I don't me. know. Why'd you wave? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, the first time I you've did. ever done that. I definitely did just wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, you guys are probably wondering why we're talking about the 1840s and cannibalism and such. And uh, today we're talking about... The Donner Party. And the Donner Party is a very, very interesting uh, part of American history. Uh, the Donner Party was a group of American pioneers who migrated to California in a wagon train from the Midwest. Delayed by a series of mishaps, they spent the winter of 1846 to 1847 snowbound in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Some of the migrants even resorted to cannibalism to survive, eating the bodies of those who had succumbed to starvation and sickness, and in some cases, even murder was a predecessor to their cannibalism. Shit gets desperate on the mountain, dude. I, you know, I think it's crazy that it's, it, it is such a, a, a historical event in American history, not to be redundant, but yet there's so many people who don't know about it. It's yeah, just not a known... Until like kind of recently. I mean, anybody that like studies that territory at, at that time it was well, there's like a hundred years before that, but uh, no, not even a hundred. It was like 1804 when uh, Lewis and Clark, yeah, you know, they explored. Close. Yeah, but that was about it. But you know, as far as like what we learn in history, we don't learn much more than Lewis and Clark, Sacagawea. So the Donner you- Party does not come up. And you can't even blame it on the brutality of it because we learn about the Holocaust and that was by far way worse right. than what the Donner Party well, experience. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think there's a way you could not be so detailed. I mean, kids are going to want to Google that shit as soon as you talk about it anyway. Oh, but, yeah, if they were like... And they were on the mountain and they had to eat stuff. Yeah, I had a student this morning. Specific. Speaking of uh, the internet, uh, but I had a student this morning who came in and she was asking me how to spell witchcraft. Did you point her in the direction of our witchcraft episode? She's a fifth grader. That's fine. Um, But I I was like, well, well, before I told her, I was like, well, why? Why? I mean, I gotta, I gotta know, am I incriminating myself by how you spelled it? It's like, what's going on? She had a Chromebook in front of her. So I was like, why do you want to? Yeah, like why do you why do you want me to help you with that? Why why you why, why that work? And she told me that she saw a uh, she didn't know what it was called. She was like I, uh, on TikTok. I don't I've never I've, well anyway. 
she does TikTok with all the other kids. Um, she saw a, a circle with a star in it, and I guess they were talking about witchcraft. And then she asked her mom about it. Her mom shut it down. <laughs> She's like, didn't want to did, like just like it's bad. Don't, don't, you know, just that's a no-no area. So change the subject, actually. whatever. So that was this morning before school. So then the student gets to school and she's sitting on her Chromebook uh, trying to Google this shit, trying to learn about it, which is like, I, I get it. I, I love it. Like, I hate that I can't help you with this because your mom didn't want to talk about it. And if you go home, talk about Mr. Morrison helped you talk about it. I don't want, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want that like problem. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if your mom doesn't want to talk about it, we're not, ta- we're, we're not going to talk about it. And this, you know, it's a public school class or like you know it's not my place to talk about that shit so um well as long as the kids aren't doing more aren't going further than like wikipedia because i feel like that's yeah. be the first place they go but even wikipedia for the donner party if you look it up it says uh like alleged cannibalism and it's like no don't try to revisionist history this they yeah. hate each other but anyway let's yeah. We got a lot to cover so, today. So the Donner Party, uh, it wasn't just made up of the Donner family. Uh, most of them belonged to one uh, one or another of several large families. Uh, it was 16 Donners split between the families of George and Jacob. Five Reeds uh, headed up by James, <coughs> who was Irish-born uh, but of Polish descent. Another Irish family of nine headed up by 51-year-old Patrick Breen. Uh, a six uh, and six uh, Murphys from Tennessee, a family headed up, not by a man, but by a widow, uh, 36-year-old uh, Lavina Murphy. Uh, also traveling with the Murphys was uh, Lavina's two married daughters, uh, Sarah Foster and Harriet Pike, along with their husbands and their children. Sarah Foster, she had actually just got married to Jay Fostick, like literally... They were like leaving and she's, he's like, well, I love you. Like, I want to be married to you. Let's just do it. And so, right. uh, her, her father had gone to the courthouse for something. I can't remember what it was. He went to the courthouse and then she was like, well, we'll just tag along, hook up with the justice of the peace, get married. And then she saw this whole thing as her honeymoon, like the leaving of the Midwest and going to California. Um, but that also brings me to my next point. We actually are going to acknowledge a source for today because I got all of this information from a book uh, called The Indifferent Stars Above by uh, his name is James Brown, I believe is his name. Let me double check to make sure. Daniel James Brown is his name. Uh, of the smaller families, there was 28-year-old William Eddy, uh, a cabinet maker from Illinois, his wife Eleanor, and their two young children. Uh, the man Kessbergs or Kiesbergs, forgive me. Kessbergs. Kessbergs with uh, their toddler daughter and a newborn son, and another German couple, the Wolfingers. Uh, and we'll see also- too that if there is a villain in this story, it's William Kessberg. But we'll get to that in episode two. So there, at first I thought it was James, but we'll get to that. There were all- well, I mean. It depends. He, how you he was definitely the catalyst. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, I mean, I mean, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people contributed to the, the downfall. Well, so, uh, uh, there, uh, there were also bachelors of various ages and ethnicities among them. Uh, the, uh, de, uh diminutive, uh, Charles Stanton from Chicago, uh, John Denton, an English gunsmith from Sheffield, 
an elderly Belgian man named Hardcoop who traveled with the Kessebergs, Joseph Reinhardt, a German traveling with the Wolfingers, another Irishman, a merry, brown-haired, blue-eyed friend of the Breens named Patrick Dolan, the donors, Teamsters, um, and a Teamster... Donner. I must have typed it wrong. So, uh, <laughs> a teamster is basically just a hand, right? Just like someone that like just accompanies them and helps them with like the. Heavy he's work. the guy that uh, he 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 has the reins. He sits on the wagon oh, and he drives the driver. The okay, all yeah. right. So Samuel, I kept hearing that term, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure. So Samuel Shoemaker, Noah Jones, and a Mexican driver named Antonio, whom they had hired at Fort uh, Fort Laramie. Uh, which is in Wyoming. Uh, Another German who seems to have worked for the Donners, uh, Augustus Spitzer, uh, three Teamsters working for the Reeds, 28-year-old Milt Elliott, James Smith, and Walter Heron, and a Reed family servant, Bayless Williams, an albino who stayed in the wagon during daylight hours and did chores around camp at night. Uh, other than the widow, Lavina Murphy, the only single woman not traveling with her parents or step-parents, uh, was the Reed's nearly deaf cook, Bayless Williams' uh, half-sister, uh, Eliza. So, so the Williamses have a, have a couple a couple issues there. One's an albino uh, who's almost blind, and then the other one's deaf. I mean, they... Luckily, I mean, I guess, you know, they had a couple hindrances there. But out of all these people... 48 survived. And that's why I wanted to list everybody because by the end of it, when they got stuck in the Sierra Nevadas, there was 87 people in the Donner party. And I think that's what a lot of people don't get is it's not just like George, his wife, a couple kids in a wagon. Like, no, there was nine wagons, 87 people deep. There's people walking alongside the wagons. Like there's a lot of people in the Donner party. April 16th, 1846, nine Covered wagons traveled down the road out of Springfield, Missouri. Manning those wagons was the Reed and Donner families. Those families consisted of the patriarchs George and Jacob Reed and James Fraser Reed. Uh, George Donner was a 60-year-old farmer. He and Jacob had enough money to stay where they were in Missouri, but they wanted to go out to California because they... Uh, you, you were almost guaranteed to become a millionaire, basically. And, I mean, he was pretty settled where they were. He just... It was, you know, I guess he was kind of sitting around thinking, yeah, they were, why not? Let's just yeah. go out there and see what's going on kind of thing, you know? Well, I know one thing that led to a lot of people leaving the Midwest was like disease, like cholera was a fucking deal that was still happening then. Uh, malaria was crazy rampant in Missouri because of all the mosquitoes and everything. So a lot of people left for that, but the Donners, they, I mean, who doesn't want to go be a millionaire, but I mean... At this cost, they right. should have just stayed where they were at. You know, and as we said, it was. It's always it's interesting to me how they were never from the from the the moment they left their farm or settlement on their wagons to head west. They were never on time or like they were always running behind, like running no, on schedule. They were moving slow, and even the day they left was too late because you were supposed to leave at a very specific time. Right. I don't remember what the exact day is, but they left like three or four days after that. So they were already doomed. Right. You're heading West and you're trying to beat winter for sure. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to do what I mean, to obviously hindsight, you don't want to do what the Donner party did. 
So even though it was called the Donner Party, the Donners were not the originators of the party. The originator was a fancy, dancy businessman named James Fraser Reed. Uh, he's made a fortune there in Missouri, but like almost all people moving to California, he thought he could do even better out there. Uh, we call him Fancy Dancy because while everyone else was driving regular old boring wagons, <clears throat> the Reeds had, and you can look it up. It's amazing. It's an incredible fucking, it looks, for the times. Yes. The Reeds had a, it was a luxury two-story wagon complete with iron stoves, spring cushion seats, and bunks for sleeping, and it took eight oxens to pull the motherfucker. Like, I mean, it was just like a double-decker, like just a double-decker like wagon. A double-decker yeah, like, <laughs> it had yeah, a full kitchen so in cool. it and shit with bunk beds. It was crazy. <laughs> So, and that was like, but to be fair, Reed was not like soft in, I mean, he was a veteran of the Blackhawk Wars. He fought alongside, uh, Abe Lincoln. So, I mean, he was tough, but you know, I guess he just wanted a fancy wagon. Who doesn't want to be comfortable? Right. So he and his wife, Margaret, who suffered from chronic sick headaches, uh, migraines that we, you know, is what we'd call them today. Have you seen a, have you seen a photo of Margaret? Yes. She gives me a migraine. <laughs> Her face gives yeah. me a fuck. She wants me to makes me want to blow yeah, my yeah. brains out. She just so I just angry. want to get rid of my brains. Like she makes me want to just like throw yeah. my brains away. <laughs> so you rip my you eyeballs pull out, them out. And feed it to one of the kids. I don't need the these anymore. Here. Dude, she's so ugly. But I mean, that's how a lot of people looked back then. A lot of people were ugly. Right. So uh they they thought that moving to California uh, with the change in the climate would actually reduce her symptoms. And as a guy that gets migraines, I get one or two a month here in Arizona with a dry, arid climate. Uh, living in Texas, where I'm from, the barometric pressure and the humidity, uh, I get like two, sometimes three migraines a week. Like I can't. Yeah, and they're can't do it. so moving out west. I like that. Uh, that theory, I thought it was interesting because it's like, yeah, dude, that's, you know. But I mean, when you get a migraine, if I remember right, I know at least with a headache, like your brain kind of swells and it's like yeah, pressing on I mean, the inside there's, of your head. So there's a list of different types of migraines that you can get. Like I get mine, you know, they usually hang out right around uh, behind my eyes. And then, you know, like my mom's yeah, and I've got, you know, my sisters, they get clusters to where like they... They, it's a cluster migraine where they yeah. move, you know, you can just feel them move around mm-hmm. uh, and it takes days to get rid of them. Well, what I was going to say is it's probably Margaret's brain swelling. It feels like it's swelling, but it's probably just trying to escape her ugly face. Oh, yeah. And it's just trying to get out of her head completely because she looks like yeah. a foot. She does look like a foot. Yeah, it's probably just trying to kill yeah. itself because <laughs> yeah. she's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, they, you know, they, they, they want to go out to California to reduce, uh, the, the migraines, um, I guess cause the opium isn't doing it anymore. Uh, but James, yeah, she should have smoked some weed. Well, James, well, why do you think they were moving to California, man? Out, out, yeah. Out yeah. California way. <laughs> so yeah, it's legal. So James in 18, <laughs> well, yeah, they hadn't leaked. They hadn't made it illegal yet. <laughs> they're like legalize it, bro. And they're like, where did yeah, you yeah, dude? We've been yeah, this that that plant, like the grass, like okay, just 
You can eat it. You can do whatever you want with it. I don't care. It's coming out of the ground. We're looking for gold, dummy. So, um, (laughs) anyway, they go out there. James and his family, which consisted of four children, James, Patty, Virginia, and Thomas, uh, Margaret's sick mother, Sarah Keys, also came along. Oh, God, this fucking girl. This fucking lady. She she, she fucked everything up. She made it pretty far, though. She was so sick with consumption, she could barely walk. And when they say consumption, I think she was a drunk or like liver disease. Like what? No, it's consumption uh, in 18. Fuck, I looked it up specifically so I could answer this question. I can't. Hold on. It's not. I, I thought it was like alcohol. So, yeah, that's what I was But I think it's without uh, ever trying to research the definition. Uh, It's tuberculosis. TB, huh? Yeah. Pro, pro, preliminary tuberculosis. It sounds like she was just an alcoholic and she couldn't walk and she fucking died. <laughs> I wonder why they called it consumption. Because you're just consumed with tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah, not a, not a yeah, doctor. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Good enough for me. I mean, for now. They're yeah. calling cancer consumption. So, uh, anyway, her her health was very poor. Um, yeah, she was like half dead when they left, and her not her dying literally set this like what caused all the trouble. Like, not only did they leave late, but her dying. They took five days for the funeral. Well. Anyway, but we'll get to that so, in a minute. Like I said, we have a lot to talk about. She, well, I think she, you know, she didn't want to die alone. She knew she was going to die soon. So she was just like, take me. I'll be a burden. Fuck you. Let me yeah. weigh you down and <laughs> die in your wagon. Then I'll just be an even bigger burden to yeah. deal with. You know, at exactly. least I won't be alone. It's all about me. Yeah. So, so selfish. yeah, I'm sure when she died, they were like, oh, yeah, thank dude. God. <laughs> and they just probably... They should have just thrown her out the wagon going down the so, road. So, uh, nevertheless, the Donner Party was going to push off from Missouri to California way, almost uh, dead lady in tow. Uh, when they left, they had 32 <laughs> men, women, and children, including the Reeds, who hired servants, and the seven Teamsters, who had answered George Donner's ad to drive the wagons to California. The first stop for the party was Independence, Missouri, the main jumping-off point for the Oregon Trails. After Independence, though, uh, they were going off into the unknown. They knew the journey would take them mm-hmm. 2,500 miles across plains, three mountain ranges, and, and six deserts. And when I say three mountain ranges, uh, what I really mean to say is over 500 peaks. Yeah, it's not like little... Whoop, yeah, they're like, not just uh, like We're talking hopping, the wilderness, like the, the Rockies over to fucking California way. Like, just... and. This isn't, you know, Denver 2020, man. There's not a box lane going through the middle of town. I mean, you're you're taking a fucking wagon with wooden wheels. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's, no road. A, you're not just, like, hopping in your Tesla and putting the GPS on. I mean, kudos. Kudos to the adventurous side of these people. But, damn. I mean, if you're not looking failure <laughs> dead in the face... Before your idea even gets off the ground. I, you couldn't convince me to do that. I don't know. Just wild. No, I don't know. I'd be like, when are they going to invent planes? Is that going to be anytime soon? I'll just wait till they right. do that. So the timing to leave was very specific. They had to leave after the spring rains had stopped and they had to complete the journey before snow blocked the Sierra Nevada mountains. Uh, but as we'll see, uh, they did not leave in time. Uh, they never fucking leave in time. Uh, yeah, no, it's like trying to travel with like my mother, like nothing, none of it happens on time. We're always <laughs> yeah. 
Like, there's no conveying the urgency on the schedule we <laughs> must keep. So. But it's just like, also imagine the stress of like, we have to leave by this time. And we have to get, like, if you're going to a party, you're like, we gotta leave by this time, we'll get there. If we're late, I'm not gonna die and end up eating all my friends. But it's like, if you don't make it by the time the snow starts, you're almost certainly gonna right. die. Or or like, you've got to leave everything. You can get through there solo. I mean, there's there's guys on horseback, but these yeah, guys just have, leave all your children behind. Yeah, you're talking about the Beverly Hillbillies with their double decker fucking wagon wheel <laughs> and their fucking <laughs> with the fucking old yeah. dead lady strapped <laughs> yeah, on top. It's fucking nuts. <laughs> so, but I, I yeah, man, it's so crazy. here we we're getting into where uh, this. Uh, taking forever and dragging ass they think is going to pay off because they find another route that is not the traditional route that is being taken in 1846. So, yeah, that was told to them by a huckster who gave them a pamphlet and was like, this we way's got better. It. Coming from a guy, we'll get yeah. into it, but anyway, the, the experience from that guy. <laughs> yeah. Just... And he was, the, what was his name? Hastings? Lansford Hastings. So Hastings yeah. basically sold him an idea on this route that he had only taken once, maybe twice before, and never with wagon. No, he when he told them about it, when he wrote the immigrant's guide to Oregon and California, he'd never taken the shortcut. The first time he took the shortcut was the day the Donners were leaving. That was the first time he'd ever taken it. And that was just on a horse. That was just on horseback. Right, yeah, it was completely different. Yeah, the conditions were... So... We haven't mentioned it yet. But we'll see, man. They get so many warnings. So many people are like, don't do it. Don't go. Oh, it's for not sure. worth it. Just go the regular route. And then they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's mountains. It's plains. It's the desert. We'll be fine. So it's it turns into a shit show real fast. So oh, uh, as we said, yeah. the man who came up with the faster way uh, was uh, Lansford Hastings, an early uh, uh, immigrant. Or was he an immigrant or was he, he was just a migrant? He was, he was born in us or was he? Yeah, he was, uh, he was, well, immigrant and immigrant. No, I mean, migrant, like immigrant if he was like e. born East coast and he's migrating to the West coast. But if he was born on another continent, no, that should have been immigrant. But anyway, so he's going, he you know, from Ohio, from Ohio to, to the West, West. uh, what's California in 1842. The way that everybody else. Went yes. He went the traditional the way. way. Went. So California, <laughs> 1842 yeah, exactly. saw the promise of the underdeveloped country. Uh, to encourage settlers, he published the Immigrant's Guide to Oregon and California uh, as an alternative to the Oregon Trail standard route through Idaho's Snake River Plain. He proposed a more direct route, which actually increased the trip's mileage to California across they the Great Basin, which would take travelers through the Wasatch Range and across the Great Salt Lake Desert. Uh, if you've never been there, you don't want to get caught in the middle of that on a, like, in a wagon moving that's it's so hard to drive that idea home because we're so used to like now but like they're not like in an air-conditioned car it's like it's a wagon with a tarp over the top of it so so many anyway so hastings had not traveled this like you said he had, he had not traveled any part of this proposed sh shortcut until early 1846 on a trip from california to fort bridger uh which fort bridger will come up a lot uh, in this story, the fort was, a Oh, this, yeah, this motherfucker. Yeah. So yeah. this was a scant supply station run by Jim Bridger and his partner, uh, Louis Vasquez in blacks fork, Wyoming. Hastings stayed at the fort to persuade travelers to turn South on his route. 
And I've already said, dude, I say root and route. Do you notice that? Like, I'll say both. <laughs> no, so I didn't sure. notice it. Now I do. But so as, do. yeah, it's, I've always done that. Uh, as, as of 1846, Hastings was the second of two men documented to have crossed the southern part of the Great Salt Lake Desert, but neither had been accompanied by wagons. Uh, the day the Reeds and Donners were setting out was the first time Hastings was going east from California to see how the route was proposing, uh, uh, the, the route he was proposing really was. Uh, again, he was just on horseback, no wagon. So, yeah, no wagons, no kids, and also they're they're hauling like thirty head of cattle as well. Like it's not, oh man, it's just like a whole big deal of people and animals. And so shit. the Donners and the Reeds finally reached Independence in the second week of May. Okay, mind you, the first uh, group of of people moving west left on May 12th from independence. So they're already two weeks behind. Yeah, and like their date, that's the day. They're yeah. like a week behind, I guess. So there's, oh yeah, they were no, showing I a think bright that ass. If I remember right, if I remember right, the day you're supposed to leave was May 5th, no later than May 5th. And the Donners and Reeds left May 12th. So they're already like way behind. Yeah. So the... Uh, so muddy, uh, what, where was I? The rain had stopped. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So the rain had stopped, but the roads were still muddy, uh, instead of, uh, just dirt. Yeah. Cause there's no blacktop. It's just a dirt mud fucking up to their right. knees and On oh wheels. man. So muddy. In fact, that wagons, how do you yeah, live the, like this? The wagons were sinking up to their hubs and teamsters were yelling and whipping their struggling oxen to pull the wagons out. Uh, immigrants rushed from store to store purchasing supplies needed for their journeys. The Reeds and the Donners left Independence on their way to California on May 12th. Are you sure they left on May 12th? It's like it left. already... So they, did, did they originally leave That's... with the... I, the original group left Independence on May 12th. They didn't leave with them. Well, this is from the book. Or this is from the documentary, the PBS documentary. So they could have been off. They were off about a couple of other things. They were late. Uh, regardless of the date, you know, but yeah, it was I, the, the the first group left Independence and then they showed up like uh, like a day or a week later, whenever the fuck it was, uh, and, and missed that, yeah. that, that ride. So each night on the trail, uh, intense thunderstorms were raining down over the encampments. Cattle were running off. Wagons were getting stuck in the deep mud. Uh, May 27th-ish, the wagon train stopped at the banks of the Big Blue River. Uh, too high from the rains to be passed with just the wagons, the family set up camp to build a ferry to cross it. Well, I thought, I think it's incredibly interesting. You know, these old settlers, like, they just, they're like Seabees. You know, they just, like, build as they go, you know. Yeah, they're like, they get to a river, there's no thing. I'll just yeah. build a bridge. I'll just build a ferry. It's like, I'm just going to build this thing. And like, because it's not here yeah. yet. It's just. <laughs> yeah, now it's here. It will be here. It's crazy, man. But also, I admire the fact that they weren't just like, fuck this. I'm getting rained on every night. The wagons are getting stuck. Like, the river's too high? Fuck it. We'll just try again next right. year. You know what I mean? Like, I admire that. But also that same arrogance and same, uh. That same, like, devotion is, yeah. you know, sealed their fate. Well, by this time, the trip had been too much of a strain on Syracuse. Um, yeah, no shit. She was half dead yeah. when they fucking so left. So she died there. inside the wagon, in, inside Reed's wagon. 
Uh, first of many deaths to be had in the Donner Party. <clears throat> May 31st, two days after her burial, her last wagon made it over the makeshift ferry. So you got to think, second week of May, or, you know, they were there a week at least because they didn't leave till May 31st. Yeah, like five days. Yeah, May 27th to yeah, May Yeah, so you're 31st. still just burning daylight, killing time, you know, just wait, just... And this part's really interesting, though, because June 27th, they, they're one week behind schedule. Just one week. I mean, I feel like if you push it, you can make up a few days. But a week, that's that's a lot of time to try to yeah, make Yeah, you know up. how much snow can accumulate but in one week? A lot. You know how much <laughs> snow can accumulate in one night yeah, when we dude. get to that part? So, a lot of snow. So on June 27th, just one week behind schedule, even though they had no idea how fucked they were because of one week uh, uh, one week yet, they did arrive at Fort Laramie in Wyoming. Here is where Reed ran into an old friend, James Kleeman? Uh, Kleeman? Kleeman? Kleeman. The first of people to be like, just turn or just go the yeah, regular yeah, route. Yeah. This is the first guy to tell them. So, who had just ridden from California through the Hastings cutoff. He looked at Reed, told him of the Great Salt Desert, the roughness of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, and he told him, do not fucking take the cutoff. Yeah, don't do it. I just did it. You can't do it. Don't yeah. do it. And he's like, you won't be able to bring wagons and all these women and children through it. Just don't fucking take it. And he's like, nah, we're just going to yeah, do it. Anyway. How about I just do it? Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I mean, that's not what he said. He said, there's a nigher route. We're going to take it, which is well, like, you know, the soonest. Like, it's like the time is nigh kind of thing. And they talk weird back yeah, then. Yeah, that was weird. I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, that's the that's, how, that's how much route. I dislike like, no, that, just... the way they talk. I don't even want to talk about it. So on June t- Ju- on June seventeenth, uh, a horseman came. July seventeenth. I say June. Sorry. July. So July seventeenth. Sorry. July. Yeah, we're yeah. later in the summer, everybody. I apologize. A horseman. Yeah, we're tired. Yeah, a, a horseman came riding uh, down a trail with a letter from Lansford Hastings. Uh, the letter was for all immigrants on the road, telling them he was waiting for them at Fort Bridger to lead them through the cutoff. July 20th, the wagon train reached the Little Sandy River. Uh, this was the parting of ways, as it was called. Uh, majority of the wagons heeded uh, Kleiman's warning and turned right uh, of the trod and true trail. Uh, but 20 wagons, including the Donners and the Reeds, turned left to Fort Bridger and uh, the entrance to Hastings Cutoff. And this is where it all goes wrong. It just starts going bad like from the beginning. so yeah from the uh, uh, very beginning so uh, of course they've got a established leadership so the next day the party wanted to elect a leader james reed was an obvious choice uh because of his uh his his savvy and his knowledge of the terrain but his aristocratic ways uh uh he had a little bit of money and he uh, he liked to rub people the wrong way socially he was kind of a fuck uh so they elected a yeah, he's just like an arrogant yeah, so, bastard. Yeah, so they elected basically. George Donner instead. Um, a week after the, uh, after the <laughs> whenever I read that, I just picture George Donner being like, "What me?" Like he's just like astounded. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Me, really? You want me he's to got do a it? sandwich in his mouth?" Uh, so a yeah, week- he's like sixty-two. He's like eating fucking hot dogs. <laughs> me? A, a week, yeah, he's, uh, actual hot dogs, like mustard, ketchup. He's got a little bit of relish yeah. on it. Yeah, he's got like the like a Chicago dog. He's already got a Chicago dog. <laughs> he's, he's like sprinkling relish on it. Like, like, he's, he's, he's already eating a Seattle dog. <laughs> Seattle's not even a place yet. 
pulls out like a cream cheese and onion, man. Happy to Seattle, dog. What is the Seattle thing, dude? Where yeah, is what Seattle? Is, what the fuck are you talking about? I already have a saddle. I don't right. need another so, one. So, uh, <laughs> fucking, they let James Reed <sighs> or, jo- or George Donner instead. A week after the parting of the uh, uh, parting of ways, the party rode into Fort Bridger. So, a week after they finally get to Fort Bridger, two log cabins and a corral run as a trading post by a celebrated mountain man named Jim Bridger. Uh, when they arrived, Hastings was not there. He had gone ahead with another train of, of wagons and settlers. He left Again, instructions. He let them down. Again. Yeah. <laughs> so he left instructions for all who wanted to follow. They rested for four fucking days, allowing the oxen to rest yes. and make repairs to their wagons. I get it. You got to let the oxen breathe. But four days, a week at a time, like these people, like they're just, they're not in a hurry to beat the weather. Like they're underestimating. To be fair, though. They didn't know, cause it's like I know, and I get that, you know, it's the unknown. They just sure. don't know. But they were warned. They talked to a, a handful of people that had been there and told them, "Hey, do this, don't do this." It's just arrogance. Oh, yeah. Well, they were trying to save Tom. So, so Hastings' cutoff was said to save three fifty to four hundred miles of travel for immigrants who dared trek the unknown terrain. Was which was bullshit. So Jim Bridger told the travelers yeah. that the terrain was flat, had plenty of water and plenty of grass for <laughs> the oxen and to hunt game. So flat, plenty of water, <laughs> plenty of grass and plenty of game to hunt. So it was estimated that it was only 700 more miles to Fort Sutter in California. The party had hoped to make the trip in seven weeks, but what Bridger wasn't telling the party was the fucking truth. Journal, uh, journalist Edwin Bryant reached Black's Fort for a week ahead of the Donner Party. Because he wasn't resting for days yeah, at a time. So, and he was, how many How many was it? It just. It was just him. It was just, he was a journalist. So, I mean, yeah, it was just him. He's yeah, just on horseback. So, yeah, it's just him. Different. So he saw the first part of the trail and was concerned that it would be difficult for the wagons in the Donner Group, especially with so many women and children. Uh, he returned to Black's Fort to mm-hmm. leave letters uh, warning several members of the group not to take Hastings' shortcut. Now, this is where the fuckery really starts with Jim Bridger because Jim Bridger, or Fort Bridger, was the last stop for provisions before the cutoff. So Jim Bridger stood to make quite a deal of money if the cutoff became popular. So when the letter came, he just didn't tell anybody. Told him it was a safe route, it was easy, and it would save him a lot of time. So he contributed to the deaths of at least 40 people just so he could make a little bit more money at Fort Bridger. Yeah, so... It's a fucking asshole. So July 31st, uh, the non-families and single men working for them left Fort Bridger down Hastings Cutoff. For the first week, they made great time, 10, sometimes 15 miles a day, working their way into the mountains. That's the montage part where they're like, bump, 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 you know, like they're like fucking trucking down the trail. Yeah, yeah. yeah chopping down fucking... trees and, you know, high-fiving and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like slapping each other on the ass. Yeah. This is like the montage <laughs> yeah. scene. It only gets yeah. worse from here. It only goes downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> They were following the wagon, uh, following the wagon ruts left by the party that had left with Hastings before. Um, August sixth, at the bottom of Echo Canyon, the party stopped. They found a, a note in some sagebrush. 
that the note was from Hastings stating that the road ahead was virtually impassable and they should wait for Hastings to come back and help. After reading Hastings' note, James Reed, Charles Stanton, and William Pike volunteered to ride ahead and overtake Hastings. On the afternoon of August 6th, uh, or the morning of August 7th, the three of them entered a narrow canyon on horseback and quickly came to see why Hastings had advised against it. Uh, Even without wagons, it was a desperate scramble just to get through. It was late in the day on August 8th before they emerged tattered and torn from the mountains uh, near the south end of the Great Salt Lake, where they finally found Lansford Hastings in the flesh. He did agree to ride back with them, but only to a high peak where he pointed in a general direction and said that way would be better. So he wasn't even willing to go back the route. He was like, uh, let's get on this really big rock and I'll just point to it uh, from here. Try that way. Because, because fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, when Franklin Graves hired man, John Snyder met James Reed at the mouth of Weber Canyon on August 10th. Uh, he met the, uh, the agent of his doom. Uh, but he did not. We're gonna see know that pretty soon that why evening. Re- he is the agent of John Snyder's doom. Yeah. So that evening, Reed, despite what he had just seen in the canyons of the Wasatch, set about convincing the rest of the party that Lansford Hastings was right. A difficult but passable route lay th- uh, through the gap at the crest of the mountains. It would take considerable work, but wagons could be got. Uh, they they could get through. Uh, by going that way, he had already named the new pass Reed's Gap, <laughs> and he could show them Just, the way. To he's get so to arrogant, it. man. So, such a fucker. Wow. So th- this is kind of the beginning of the hell on earth they were about to experience. Uh, I mean, they had built a ferry at the Big Blue River, and that was hard to do. But almost everything from now on is going to be a nightmare for them compared to building a ferry. Yeah, building the ferry was like the tutorial of a video game and now they're like playing on like yeah. expert mode. That fairy was like Ikea furniture. Yeah. You know oh man, saying? if they had an Ikea, they could have totally <clears throat> got you don't, it. You don't need there. the instructions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the next day they, uh, they went the way Hastings had suggested with Reed guiding them. Uh, though they did not know it at the time, they were losing days that were vital to their survival. They were making two miles a day at this point, and remember before they were making 10, sometimes 15 miles a day. Two miles a day. That's nothing. You're barely moving. Yeah, sometimes not even. Like a mile and a half, a mile, like it was, they were moving boulders and big rocks and trees and shit. Like, I mean, they were. (laughs) Yeah, they had to like cut their way through a forest. It's not like cleared out. They don't have a bulldozer. Yeah, there wasn't a path. There was no, yeah, they're fighting the wilderness, fighting canyons choked with willow trees, cottonwoods, and aspens. It's hard to even imagine it, but they had to chop their way through the wilderness. There's no road. They were chopping bushes and trees down with axes to get through. It took them six days to get through eight miles six of big mountain. days to go eight miles. That's crazy. So by August 15th, the wagons could go no farther. The company made an encampment. Then Franklin Graves and Jay Fostick and Billy Graves and all the able-bodied men and boys went forward and began the Herculean task of cutting a road up the last and steepest canyon toward the narrow pass that was above them. Uh, Progress was slow, and Reed soon grew irritated, feeling that the men were not working as hard as they ought to. 
Uh, it took three long days of back-breaking labor before the oxen could finally uh, drag the wagons up into the gap. So, I mean, there's a lot of fucking chipping away. Even then, their troubles were not over. The western side of the mountain was just as steep and just had a, uh, you know, just as dense uh, when it came to... Uh, just imagine it like this. If you've ever chopped wood before, like with an axe, imagine doing that all day. And you're chopping down trees and bushes and moving boulders and stuff. And then once you're done, it's not like, I'm going to go home, have a beer, eat dinner. It's like, once I go home, once I'm done, I got to go back and get all my shit and then walk back up it again. There's like no break time. No. Uh, it was uh, not an easy no. task. So they found that they, they quickly found that it was nearly as hard to get uh, heavily laden wagons down a brush cloaked mountain as it was to get them up. Uh, it took another three days of uh, bushwhacking and a series of harrowing descents mountainside uh, before the company finally worked their, uh, their way down. And then they arrived unexpectedly at one last morale-crushing obstacle. A boulder and a brush clogged and narrowing at the outlet of the final canyon leading out into the Salt Lake Valley. It's just like every fucking step is just like a pain in the ass. So, <laughs> yeah, so tired of cutting brush, uh, finally they decided to assault uh, a steep hogback ridge uh, they lay, that laid to their southwest. One by one, they yoked each wagon to long strings of oxen, uh, as many as 24 at a time, and then drove them up the slope. Uh, each time the oxen reached the top, someone had to lead them back down and do the whole thing all over again. Mothers carrying infants, toddlers struggling with their short legs, old men gasping for breath. They all struggled individually up the grass-slicked hill, crawling as much as walking as the, uh, as the grade got steeper and steeper. So it was... Yeah, it's just every, every move you make is like, just sucks the whole time. Like, it doesn't get better until, I mean, until it gets better. <laughs> That's when it gets better, is when it gets better. It, it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. get better until it gets better. That's kid. all I can tell all right? you. Get out there. So finally, on August 21st, the party stood atop what is now called Donner Hill, looking out at the Salt Lake Valley. Uh, the landscape that lay before them uh, looked to be lush with grass and water and certainly much flatter than the country they had just traversed. Uh, but even as they contemplated the pleasant prospect of level roads ahead, many of them also began to wrestle with a deepening sense of anxiety. Uh, counting the time they had waited for Reed to return from his rendezvous with Hastings, it had taken them 16 days to make just 35 fucking miles through the Wasatch Mountains. Uh, they were told it a might take week, a week. And it took them over two. <laughs> Dude. Yes. Imagine the so, frustration and the anger. And that's what it was. I mean... Yeah, and this dude, this dude wasn't even around yeah, to it's help. Like Lancer Hastings like long gone on his horse, living his life, and Reed is just like right there. You know they're fucking pissed. You know they're looking at him like, let's kill yeah. this fucking guy. He's at a saloon right now, just throwing yeah. all his money away. Um, so which is weird because as we get to the grounds where all this took place, and they've excavated or like dug up, like you know, uh, whether it's remains or or, um different uh, mm -hmm. artifacts. Uh, they only found, like, maybe a handful well, of coins. Like these No, they did, but we'll them. see why when we get to the last relief. is uh, They came back, and they were like... Okay, yeah, from what I've seen and read so far, it, I feel like... I was looking up artifacts that had been found. 
felt like money was limited, but yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to it. Next um, episode. so August. On August 22nd, the 87 members of the Donner Party made it out of the mountains. Many blamed Reed for the delay, but with 600 miles to go, there was no time for playing the blame game. After descending from the Wasatch into the Great Salt Lake Valley, the Donner Party worked their way across the valley, trying to find dry ground so that they could get by the marshes along the Jordan River. George and Tamzine Donner's wagons uh, lagged behind the others. They were nursing Luke Halloran, Halloran? Uh, the the tubercular young man whom they had taken into their wagon back at Fort Bridger. Stop bringing people with tuberculosis around. Just they're going to die. Just leave them at Fort Bridger. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so at about 4 p.m. on August 25th, Halloran, who had come west for the sake of his health, died with his head resting in... Uh, Don, uh, Tamzine Donner's lap. The following day, the Donners caught up. <sighs> you know that's what they did when he died. They were like, "Oh, thank God, he's fucking dead." Right. Oh Jesus. Yeah. We don't have time to bury him. Just shove him off this two-story <laughs> wagon. And yeah. Let's fucking go. The fo- the following day, the Donners caught up with the rest of the company in the uh, Tool Valley. Uh, there, they dug a grave in the salty soil and laid Halloran's body next to that of another immigrant, John Hargrave, who had died there just two weeks before. I'm guessing from yeah, the other party. People just died, before. you know, like people, yeah. back then it was just like. Well, we probably had TB too, you know, like they all just had tuberculosis. Yeah, stop bringing these people. <laughs> so on Monday, August 31st, from a low pass in the Cedar Mountains, they saw for the first time the vast white expanse of the salt desert shimmering before them. Lansford Hastings had told them the crossing would be about 40 miles, but they could see now that, in fact, it would be nearly yeah, twice Yeah, because he's back. a bullshitter. <laughs> to make matters worse... Oh, it's huge. If you've never seen it, it's, it's amazingly large. So, to make matters worse, the last spring they had come across had been foul. The water... The water is brackish, whatever the fuck that means. And, uh... And it did reek of sulfur. I know what that is. It like and farts. they knew that out on the salt... It's fart water. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Instead of smart water, it's fart water. <laughs> so... <laughs> We're adults. It's fine. I'm almost 30 years old. <laughs> uh, just... You give me a bottle of fart water. <laughs> did you mean smart water? No, no, no. I farted in the water. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It's definitely right. fart water. <laughs> So, um, anyway, yeah, they, uh, you know, they found this shit and then they knew out of the salt that they would have to share with their cattle, what water they already had stored in their, in their kegs. Um, uh, because if you don't know anything about the salt river or the salt, not the salt river, that's Arizona, the salt lake, uh, it's extremely salty, like pulls up. So there's a tide, like the tide comes in and out. So when it goes out and you see like wet sandy beach, it's not sand, it's salt. And like the big, the, the pools of water on the sand, it's not even water. It's like crystallized. Like it's, it, I mean, it's yeah, pure not, salt. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's not like you can drink it. It's I mean, they tried, salty. but then they just got really sick. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they came over that hill and they just saw this huge salt desert. I mean, piles of salt all over the place. And from what they were told by Hastings is it was only supposed to be 40 miles across. 
But as we're going to see, it was not that short. They lose more than they expected when they crossed this desert. So they ventured out uh, to the tabletop flat salt desert that evening uh, as they walked on uh, and the sun rose higher behind them. The sun had begun to reflect off the white salt, almost blinding them. A warm wind came up and blew uh, powdery white salt dust into their eyes. Remember, this is August. Yeah, so it's like, not only is it hot, but it's like, I've got salt in my eyes. I've got it in my mouth. My lips are chapped and bleeding. It's like... Dude, the desert out here doesn't start cooling off until like the end of September. Unless it's nighttime and then you're fucking freezing in the desert. Uh, The wind itself tasted salty. Uh, every so often they stopped and forked some grass out of the backs of their wagons and gave out water and buckets to the oxen, but before long the grass was gone and what little water was left had to be reserved for the humans. Which was fine because with all the salt around, Reed went back to his wagon, he pulled out his margarita maker, uh, and they just started making margaritas, dipping the, 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 the rims into the salt, and they were just having a fucking good time out there. Yeah. I wonder if it was Solo Cups. You think they were drinking out of Solo Cups? No, they had glass like mugs, like margarita cups. Reed's a fancy boy, so he had the good stuff. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. They had like the blue tint in the glass. Yeah, and they had the straw with a little umbrella in it. They're having a good time. The fancy ones they give you at Chili's. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah Chili's, that fancy restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, no, they were having a great time. Good thing Reed brought that margarita maker. They would have been screwed out there with all that salt. Right. So by mid-afternoon, they were exhausted, feet and legs tired. Uh, Their throats parched, their lips cracked, bleeding and tasting of salt. Uh, They were nearly blind from the glare of the sun. They they at least could still take occasional sips of water, but their oxen, which had been pulling the wagons almost nonstop for a day and a half now, could not. You know, that was was pissing them dudes off. I like salt. I like crackers. I like salty stuff. Sometimes I like chips, Pringles, you know, but like. That's too much salt, man. They don't even have anything to put it on. It's just in the air. It's in their mouths. It's in their eyes. It's salt in your eyes. They needed goggles is what they needed. You know, as many times as I've been to the Great Salt Lake, uh, I've never seen anybody in it, man. I've never seen a boat go across it. Yeah, because it's like, why would you? (laughs) Why would I want to do this? Like, I don't know if they do. I just so happens the days that I was I was there that they weren't no one was in it, but I've never seen anybody in that water. Yeah, I don't know, man. I couldn't tell you. So, um, and you'd think uh, at night at least they can rest and recharge. No, even the nights were brutal on them. During the night, uh, a bitterly cold wind came up and uh, and the salt dust began to fly again. Finally, the reeds stopped and set their children down on a blanket and piled more blankets and shawls on top of them. Uh, when the children still complained about the cold, their parents arranged all five of the family dogs, Tyler, Barney, Trailer, Tracker, and Cash, on top of the blankets. Do they really know the names of these dogs? Yes, they, they did. They, well, they, well, they, well, they were in the diary. Yeah, people kept journals and stuff. But I will say this. Yeah. Uh, don't get too attached to the dogs. Because yeah. Yeah, when you get hungry out there on the prairies... Dogs are the, well, probably like the second That's to go. You gotta do it. But. So, for nearly a week, the party stayed at the springs, bringing abandoned wagons in off the salt, resting what was left of their cattle, and desperately searching for the cattle that they had lost. Yeah, because we didn't say this, but uh, the cattle were, like, running off. Like, they were just taken off in search of water, because they're, like, you know, they're stupid. They're instinctual animals. 
to an extent. Oh, for sure. So they're like, I'm thirsty. There's no water in front of me. I'm going to go find some. And then some of them were dying of dehydration. Native Americans stole some. And they just, even the Native Americans just killed some just because they wanted to. The Native Americans fuck them over yeah. quite a bit. And then, you know, towards the end, they help them out. But leading up to it, they're like, dude, fuck them over. That was their land, dude. Yeah, man. White Can't man come over here. I'm land. Fucking steal your cows. But also they would come down, like they would they would run into Native Americans on the trail and like they would barter and trade, you know, stuff. Like they weren't they weren't all, you know, murdering people. That would be So Billy Graves volunteered to help James Reed search for the eighteen oxen he was missing. The pair of them spent two long days and a night searching the salt flats with nothing to show for it. Much of the time chasing after rocks that looked like oxen. Yeah, I can't imagine that frustration, dude. You're like out of the desert at night, chasing the shit down. And you get to, you're like, yes, we found one. You get to, and it's a fucking rock. Oh my god, it's a fucking rock, dude. Imagine. So finally, finally, Reed with with only one ox and one cow remaining realized that he would have to abandon many of his possessions and ask others to carry much of the rest of their wagons, much of uh, of the rest in their wagons. Um, to make up a team, Reed borrowed oxen from Patrick Breen, William Pike, and Franklin Graves. Because, uh, remember, it took eight oxen to pull his gigantic two-story <laughs> yeah, two, two wagon. Uh, af- after being told they would have to abandon their possessions, Patty Reed hid a small doll away from her parents, afraid that they would take it away. And I feel like this really drives home the idea that, like, there's children out there, like, the idea of any one of your children enduring this type of hardship is like really scary, but I feel, I I feel really bad for the parents, but it's like, they did see this as a means to an end. Like I just got a 2,500 mile hop, skip and a jump and then my children will have a better life. Uh, but we got to do it in wagons through mountains and deserts and every step you take sucks. But it's like aside, you know, aside from all that, it's, it's a good outcome, but I mean, uh, I do want to read this. This is from the book about the way uh, children could die on the trails. And uh, I hate to say that it is kind of funny. But, uh, so children fell under wagon wheels and were crushed to death or crippled for life. They wandered off into the tall grass and were never seen again. Occasionally they would be abducted by Native Americans. Much more frequently they drowned when swept away by rivers their families were trying to ford. Drowning incidents were so common, in fact, that some mothers wrote their children's names in indelible ink on labels and sewed them, sewed the labels into their children's clothes. It didn't prevent them from drowning, but it sometimes allowed a grieving mother to identify a body that had been in the water too long. They were bitten by rattlesnakes, struck by lightning, trampled by unruly oxen or horses, pummeled by hailstones as large as turkey eggs, and shot by the nearly daily accidental discharges of the guns that their fathers carried. They died of measles, diff. Diphtheria, whooping cough, influenza, tuberculosis, typhoid fever, malaria, infected cuts, food poisoning, mumps, and smallpox. It's like... Just just to name a few. Yeah, just to name a couple ways that children could die out on the trail. Hey, man. Times are hard. Yeah, dude. You break a leg, you're screwed. Yeah, dude. Yeah, the group's got to put you down. Like a horse. On September 10th, the company awoke to this unsettling sight of snow on the higher reaches of Pilot Peak. Snow being on the peaks meant you were too late. In other words, you were fucked. Uh, They took an inventory of all their food and drink. 
Uh, the results confirmed what many of them already suspected. They did not have sufficient food to last them through to California. Charles Stanton and William McCutcheon uh, stepped forward and volunteered to ride ahead to Fort Sutter and bring back supplies. Uh, as this story progresses, you're going to see Charles Staten uh, is the fucking man. He doesn't just sit back and watch everything happen. He steps up when he needs to, uh, and it's sad he doesn't survive the whole ordeal. Spoiler yeah, alert. But he's a fucking badass, dude. He He's a man's man. Yeah, he was like the man, and he was only 5'5", five five, believe it or not, so... Uh... God, you know you bring up height. Life was harder for him. He had to be a Jesus bigger Christ. man to get through life being so short. I know what it's like. You shouldn't be so bothered by your height, man. It's I'm not okay bothered by it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm not you bothered definitely by are. It. I'm not fucking bothered by it. You definitely are. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. As Stanton and McCutcheon set off on horseback for California, the two men carried a letter from James Reed promising to repay Sutter for any provisions he could send back with them. Uh, on September 11th, uh, they finally made it through the Salt Lake Valley after they had made it through everyone was exhausted and filthy. Uh, men and women both stank of fucking urine and shit, and women stank of stale menstrual blood and yeast infections. Bathing was a rarity in the 1800s, even when you were established somewhere, so being on the road left virtually no access to a bath. Uh, toothbrushes were patented in the U.S. in 1857 uh, and not mass-produced until the <laughs> 1880s. So not only did they smell, but their breath smelled of halitosis and tooth decay. But nevertheless, they made it through the salt flats finally. But that wasn't even the hardest part of their fucking trip. So, so I think it just goes to show, though, that we're not living, uh, you know, at least we have toothbrushes now and we can brush our teeth uh, when we want to. But... They're through the salt flats. Uh, they still have quite a bit uh, more to do. Uh, they got to get over the Sierra Nevada mountains now, which, spoiler alert, uh, most of them don't. So we're going to have that for you guys next week. This is the first hour-long episode we've done in a while, so it does feel nice to do a full hour episode. Yeah. Well, part two is going to be at least another hour. and probably need to do part three, you think? Maybe. We might be able to get through it. I, I was a little heavy on the details on this one, so maybe I'll cut back on episode two a bit. I, I like details in this story, man. I think they're cool. I think it's okay, crazy. Johnny's spoken. I won't cut back on the details. The whole adventure is just gnarly. It's going to be a ten-part series on every detail of the daughter party. <laughs> just, uh, well, it's a mini-series. Welcome to our mini-series. Yeah, welcome to our mini-podcast, The Donner Party. Yeah. But So that's what we're going to pick up next week. Um... Make sure you guys go uh, give us a follow on all the social media stuff. We say it every time. I'm not going to say it again every single time. But give us a follow on there. Go leave us a review on iTunes uh, if you did enjoy the show. And be sure to go check out the episode from last week, uh, La La Llorona, which was very fun to do. And, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the Flippity Flip. Later. Later.